Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. In the week that saw this morning broadcast on a Sunday for the first time, Cheryl and Oti jive together on The Greatest Dancer, and Gemma Collins and Jason Gardner having a right old Barney live on telly. This is Series Linked. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times, and this is Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Hiya, Jeffers. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. Well, on this week's episode of the podcast, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand... Death in Paradise's Ardlo Hanlon shares his box set to watch before you die. You can find out if Danny Dyer's new documentary about his regal family tree gets our royal seal of approval. And we'll be joined in the studio by singing sensation and jungle star Slur East. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Hello, Jeffers. Hey, you right? I can't go any further without talking about this huge Dancing on Ice drama. This weekend, the GC came out in full force. And I know you'll have heard this and seen this a million times, but we have to hear it again. Jason. Um, Gemma, I know you were channeling Marilyn, but we ended up with Anna Nicole Smith. And that was because there wasn't, there wasn't any elegance. Like you were saying in the VT, she had to be elegant. She's, you know, she's a woman that is in control of her femininity. You were all over the place still, hun. You need to up the ante because, you know, we're not going to see big lifts from you. We're not going to get any impressive moves. Can I just say one thing? Maybe if you didn't sell stories on me, I wouldn't have been so upset this week. So take that. You know, I, I, I didn't have to sell a story. And I'm, I'm talking about your darling Next. you know but this this doesn't help your cause don't because, sell stories on me but what it shows don't sell stories on me yes, do not sell stories on me all right listen all right. to what sell stories on me let's, 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 uh, let's, let's jump in uh, jump in here before it gets completely out of hand oh drama why? well i'm very much team gc here uh, well i'm a bit more on the fence i think because i think she is skating on thin ice to excuse, oh, excuse the pump but that's she, bad that's a proper dad joke she is not she is not putting in the hours on that ice rink. She is not training very hard. That's a scurrilous rumour, isn't it? My understanding is that she, she is not doing as much training as some of the others. She talked last week about being devastated and being unable to skate as much as she, she wanted to because she was crying so much. She said her partner, was Matt Avers, was uh, was crying as well. Which I, which I, Yeah, that's rubbish. I have my doubts about that. But at the same time, I think Jason probably did overstep the mark with some of his comments, maybe a little bit personal. And so I'm sort of in the middle, really. I'd like to see, what I'd really like to see this week 
is for the GC to get on with it and do do some good scaling and put in a good performance and sort of put Jason in his place that way. And prove everyone wrong, which I feel like she did in the first week. It was an amazing Giance, as she's calling it. I thought yeah. that was a great performance. The, the, the first week was a really good performance. This week, you know, you can't blame Jace, just Jason. The judges across the board, it was threes, it was 3.5s. You know, that includes Torval and Dean, who are more generous markers um, on the show. And so it, it just wasn't, it wasn't really good enough. And I know she's, there was a lot going on and, Jason had a pop at her in the papers, but I just think... But that's uh, not appropriate, is it? That's the thing. I actually don't really like it when people have a go at the judges. I think it looks ungracious and it's just unnecessary. But Jason is, is so personal and so nasty in a way that Craig River Hall would never is, even though he's the Mr. Nasty of Saturday night. He's got a twinkle in his eye. He's genuinely funny. He knows his stuff. And people can take it from Craig. Whereas Jason... He's so earnest and goes way too far, way too quickly. I don't think it's appropriate for a judge who's supposed to be impartial to be slagging someone off in the papers. Jason is Jason. He does exactly what what he's supposed to do. And um, also, I think, you know, you've got to take it from him. You know what he's like. You've got to take it with a big pinch of salt. He's saying it the way he wants to say it. That's one of the reasons he gets the job on the show. And I think, you know, GC doesn't need to be so heads up about it. I mean, she's just got to take it as water for ducks back. I know she's had... Lots of criticism before on Towie, you know, about on Twitter, she'll have lots of trolls that are a lot meaner than Jason. And I, I'd just like her to, like I say, put him in his place by, you know, getting some fives or sixes on the, on the scoreboard. And the only way she'll do that is by actually getting on the rink and doing, uh, you know, doing some proper training. It's not by putting Instagram stories up. It's not by being gobby. It's about, you know, actually some sweat and some actual training. I just think he deserves it. He doesn't. Well, there is an argument. He doesn't you know. come across like a nice man, does he? I, w- I wasn't disappointed that she had a go. You know, I'm not. I'm not sorry to see him be put in his place. I, ju- I just would like to see this week, particularly. I'd love to see GC go out there and, and do a proper routine. Okay, well, from Dancing on Ice to Britain's Got Talent, it's it's a never-ending cycle of, of talent shows, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. They're back recording, and the good news is that Ant and Deck are back together. My teenage self is delighted and calm. How did you feel seeing them back together? Well, it's great, isn't it? We've, we've just been talking about big rides and this is just big smiles and it's a very happy story, really. Um, it's at the London Palladium on Friday. It was the first day of um, the auditions for Britain's Got Talent and it's basically Ant's first day back at work for about 10 months. It sees him reunited with Deck. Deck went on stage first and then introduced Ant onto the stage. Huge cheers from the crowd. Ant was very emotional on stage, thanked them for all the messages and then from what I understand, you know, it's business as normal. They, they had a, they've been recording now for a few days and it's been going really well. And it's it's just really nice to see them back. You know, they're they're probably the best duo on TV, bar no one. And, it, you know, everyone wanted them to, to come back. Everyone wants them to do well. And it's, it's really nice to see, I think. Well, you say that, but I mean, they got a rapturous reception at the Palladium. I, I'm a big Ant and Deck fan, but some people are pretty angry with Ant. Do you think this might actually damage their career going forward? I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to say, I think... Um, and himself has given an interview and, and sort of admitted that he's done wrong himself. And I think for some people, maybe he, he's slightly tainted, maybe ever so slightly. But I think a lot of that will be forgotten when it comes to watching them on screen. You know, they're in the entertainment sort of sector. They're not, you know, they're not hard news. They're not trying to lecture anyone about what's right and what's wrong when they're presenting. I think um, they're all about sort of having fun on screen and, and just being sort of good presenters, really, for, for Britain's Got Talent, whether it's Takeaway or The Jungle. It's about having a laugh and relaxing with them. And I think the, the, what's happened in the last 10 months will, will fade and fade away. And, and within the next couple of years, it will be largely forgotten. That, that's what I think anyway. 
And the chemistry between them is unrivaled. That's the hope is that their friendship remains the same and therefore their chemistry on screen will be just as magical. I, I know when I was in Australia, banging on about it again. But I did, oh, I always did, mentioning yeah, it. But I did speak to Deck over there and I know he was very much looking forward to um, coming back and being back with that. And he said, fingers crossed, it's going to be great and business as normal. And everything we're hearing from from the sessions is that it very much is is back to normal. And I know that he'll he'll be delighted to be back back with Anne. Obviously, in the last 10 months, they've spent a lot of time together off screen, but but the chemistry they've got is is sort of second to none. And I, I think he, he's delighted to just be back working with his best friend, really. It's going to make a good film one day. You know, like the Stan and Ollie films out now. I think future generations, our grandkids will be like, oh, who were Ant and Deg? Did they really have this tumultuous time in their amazing career yeah and, and it's been such a long time now you know they're met on biker grove they're in their 40s now it's it's an it's an already an incredible career and I, I wonder if they'll try and sort of follow in the footsteps of you know bruce or someone and try and go on until you know they're in their 70s or 80s he's a big idol of dex i know he's got a picture of him and bruce up in his up in his house and i think that's sort of i can see them sort of do, doing this work and continuing to be on tv for decades yet have you been to Dex House? No, no, I've just, I've, I've read him talk about it. I'm not, <laughs> we're not that close, sadly. And speaking of legends of our industry, step forward, Mr. Danny Dyer. Oh, well, here we go, look. Oh, yeah, it's old Buckingham Palace there, look. I mean, what happened? Why ain't I plotted up there? Tongue in a princess. Hey. But no, I ended up on a set of swings in Canning Town. I was bowled over when I found out I was related to royalty on Who Do You Think You Are? Can't be. And I will remind people every opportunity that this man here, King Edward III, is my 22 times great-grandfather, direct descendant, right down to little old me. Oh, Danny. There's a question I've often asked myself, Emma, why aren't I up there tonguing a princess <laughs> every time I walk past Buckingham Palace, you know? But unlike Danny Dyer, you are not related to William the Conqueror, as far as we know. No, but I think if you go back far enough on these family trees, everyone's, you can all find a bit of royalty. That's one of my, <laughs> bit, one of my sort of hang-ups about this sort of thing. I think if you go back far enough, you can all find something in there. But. So to explain, this is Danny Dyer's right royal family. It starts Wednesday night, nine o'clock. And this is inspired by his episode of Who Do You Think You Are, which was, quite frankly... The best piece of television of last year, nominated for a BAFTA because it was so genius. Uh, and the BBC have obviously seen an opportunity here to spin it out into a two-episode series. Tell us what happens, Jeffers. Well, basically, he's, he's looking back, like you say, on his family tree, but he goes a lot further. They, they've got to pad it out a bit, I suppose, in terms of um, getting two parts out of it. And so they go back to the Viking times. Uh, he finds he's related to a very famous Viking called Rollo. And... Um, Basically, yeah, he looks at different elements of his family tree and he sees him travelling around. He goes to goes to Paris as well. And he's sort of looking at various different elements of every section of his family tree. So it's basically a, a widened out and sort of a fun version of the Who Do You Think You Are? Lots of dressing up involved. And I think he describes himself as a right nutty caper, which uh, is quite good. <laughs> I just love you saying that. That's, that's what's making me laugh. He, he also wears one outfit, which I think uh, in order to bleach it, uh, some of the servants have to wee on it. I think that I'm right in saying, which is obviously a nice class. And he's giving it some good side eye. He's, that's the thing. He's playing the Danny Dyer character throughout this, which is why it's so funny. So you have these historians who obviously think they're going to get a chance to be cool to, by, by being on a TV show with Danny Dyer. And they try and sort of bring their comedy A game. And he just kind of deadpans them I, that, all of that is why I love this programme so much and he really goes for it part of me I'm thinking oh is it bad are we laughing at him but I think he's in on the joke yeah that's what I couldn't my only issue with it really is I couldn't work out whether 
he's totally in on it or whether he's sort of playing us or how it kind of works in that sense. Um, and I do wonder whether two parts might be a part too far. For me, it, it isn't quite as good as, as that first Who Do You Think You Are? I just loved it. I thought it's such an amazing sort of piece of commissioning, actually, that they thought, right, how can we maximise the joy of this? And they come up with this series. What I'm interested in is is what Danny Dyer is doing with his career. Because at the moment, there's posters all around London for this Harold Pinter play he's doing with Martin Freeman. And then he's he's also doing this. So I don't really know whether he wants to be a serious actor or whether he's quite happy to be, you know, the caricature of Danny Dyer. Seems like he's going down conflicting paths. Well, this is very much within the, he would say, if you would say, I'm sure this is very much within the BBC core remit to inform, educate and entertain. Sure. On a on a very light note, I think probably more down to the commissioner. It's, it's a good way of probably getting a, a different audience into looking at a bit of history and looking at a bit of um, factual, factual programming on the BBC. That's definitely what I'm sure the BBC are going to say. I know Danny, when he did the Who Do You Think You Are, was very excited by the findings. He genuinely does have that family tree up in his house. And I know he would have jumped at the chance to look at it, look at it further. And you can see in between these sort of deadpan jokes and sort of almost Alan Partridge style, some of the moments involved in, with him eating and dressing up. You can see there is glee in him when he, you know, finds out more information about this Viking conqueror that he's related to or, you know, a French saint or whatever it is. You know, he genuinely seems to sort of relish re- finding out more about this family, which he seems to feel a connection to. I, personally, I, I'm not sure if I saw my family tree, I'd, I'd be that bothered about what happened sort of 22. No, I don't get that. Up. I don't get when they're all crying about people that are just a sort of name on a piece of paper. I just want to go back a minute because you were like, he does have the family tree on, on his wall. How do you know so much about what people have on their walls? Well, Specifically I, celebrities, what they have in their houses. You just, you just sort Is of Is there a website things. for this? No, no. This, no I, I, you just hear when, you know, you remember from interviews or people say, oh, um, people who work within EastEnders say, oh, yeah, he loved it. I think he also bought a rough at the time, I remember, <laughs> cause you, which he also gets to wear one for, towards the How end of the first episode. How is this not brilliant? Episode. I don't understand why you're not more enthusiastic. I, I, to be honest with you, Danny Dyer's a great character on TV and he's great in this. And, and uh, you know, most TV re- reviews I've read are giving it four or five stars and it is, it is very good. And I know that most people listening now are going to love it as well. I guess from my point of view, I've seen Danny Dyer doing sort of documentaries for maybe 20 years or 15 years now. I remember him doing Real Football Factories on Bravo, you know, and he did the same side eyes and the same sort of, the same, ge- when he sort of, even he's elaborating his accent even more he's than He's doing he, a Danny Dyer impression. But, it's happening. But what I'm saying is, I think he even uh, sort of spins up a bit himself. He's all, he's in danger sometimes on this programme, I'd say, of becoming a bit of a caricature of himself. Whether he's doing that on purpose, I'm, I'm not too sure. I've got nothing against it. I'm just not saying it's the five out of five best thing on TV this year, that's all, which I think lots of people are, will say that. but Including me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeffers, I'm a, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit this, but I had, I had a bit of a stressful TV moment this week. Really? Well, sometimes I work from home and I like to have the same programmes on in the, back, in the background. And yeah. I haven't worked from home for a while. I like to have loose women and various things. This is all very embarrassing. But the worst was that I discovered that Tenable, Warwick Davies' uh, quiz show, was no longer on. And that, that is the highlight of my working from home soundtrack. It wasn't there. It's now Dickinson's real deal. Devastating news. I was furious. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've moved past sadness. I got through to anger. So, Jeffers, my big question of the week is, what's the most embarrassing TV show that you've been obsessed with? Fess up. 
Okay, I had a little think about this. Um, I think there's quite a few embarrassing things I watch, but looking back, I think it would have to be the OC because I was. Pro- Wasn't that like 19 year old girls that watched that? Yeah, or younger, yeah, pretty like much, 12 year old yeah, yeah. girls. I've looked, at, I've looked it up. It ran from 2003 to 2007, so that would make me about 24 when it started and about 28 when it finished, which is, uh, <laughs> I think, about 10 years too old really to be watching it. I think it was on Channel 4 or, or uh, something like that. And um, I just remember being quite obsessed with it. I think I maybe even bought some sort of DVD box set of one of the wow. series. Did you also watch Dawson's Creek? I wasn't. See, Dawson's Creek, it wasn't, was, no, n- none of those. I don't know what it was about this particular series. What was it even about? I never watched it. It was like um, a couple of, it was sort of very, very sort of well-to-do. I guess it's what everyone would picture Los Angeles being like now. Um, California and everyone was just sort of really good looking, Um all sort of relationships within school and college, um, but also like really attractive sort of parents and just everyone looked really nice and there were sort of dramas between the relationships and stuff like that. A little bit of humour, which I think I found funny, but probably quite bad, American (laughs) humour as well. But yeah, it was just one of those things. I think I used to be honest, I think it was my sort of watch when you're hungover type programme. But I oh, remember, now all the excuses yeah. come out. Yeah, I don't have to be hungover to watch Tenable. I think it's a brilliant programme um, because they always have teams that are particularly useless on it and Warwick has to kind of smile through it and be like, guys, it's going to be fine. You're going to win the jackpot. And they, they never do. Well, hopefully, presumably it's going to come back. It sounds like um, it's got at least one loyal uh, hardcore <laughs> yeah, yeah. bird watching every day. My other embarrassing one is Girlfriends. Do you remember that? This is on recently. Yes, it was it's nominated for an NTA. I think that quite surprised I mean, a few that, people. Even as a fan, I'm surprised by this news. <laughs> uh, this was Phyllis Logan and Zoe Wanamaker and Miranda Richardson. The most far-fetched plot I have ever seen. Like, far worse than Mistresses, which is kind of a slightly better precursor to this. I kind of... It, it was just madness every week. But that kind of kept me hooked. It was totally unbelievable in in a sort of good and a bad way. Well, sometimes, but sometimes madness is good. Sometimes you... you I think... You either have a drama which is really realistic or you have something where you just it's just escapism and you just go with it. You're listening to Series Linked with me, Emma Bullimore and Mark Jeffries. Coming up, we'll be hearing Ardlo Hanlon's box set to watch before you die. And we'll also be discussing big Netflix hits, Sex Education. When you buy clothes from Balkan, you're not buying from just another online retailer. You're buying from a five-star rated brand. Fit and quality is at the heart of everything we do. And you're not buying throwaway fashion either. You're buying meticulously crafted, elegant pieces that you'll love forever. Our collections are defined by foundational pieces infused with timeless essentials and relevant trends. Marie Claire described our collections as everyday designs with a cool fashion edge. And The Telegraph said, if you're after a perfectly pulled together, paired back capsule wardrobe, then Balkan is your go-to. Right now, you can enjoy a little luxury for less in our end of season sale. And with free delivery and returns when you spend £59, there's never been a better time to try us. In fact, the only difficult bit is spelling our name, Balkan. B-A-U-K-J-E-N. Find us at Balkan.com. That's B-A-U-K-J-E-N.com. Well, this week we're very excited to welcome the person who was a topping on Not the Most Appetising of Pizzas on I'm a Celebrity. And she also introduced the UK to Uptown Funk before Bruno Mars got a chance. 
It's Fleur Eastwood. Hello, Fleur. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Because we were just chatting before coming on air and you said it's been non-stop since yeah, the jungle. pretty much. I thought the X Factor was a whirlwind, but this is a different level. <laughs> and your single, Favourite Things, out now? Yeah, it's out. It's out, out right now. now. Yeah. And you're going to be on the CBBC show, Almost Never. Yes. What else are you up to? What's going on? Mate, so I've started TV presenting for this morning. Exciting. I never thought I would say. <laughs> kind of wild. Um, but yeah, so I've been presenting their segment, Inch Lost Island, where we take three viewers out to Antigua and they get the chance to basically kickstart their fitness journey. They get therapy, they get nutritional advice, they work out, and I'm just presenting the segment. That's but, right up your street, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've actually really enjoyed it. And how are you finding the presenting side of it? Does it feel weird at first? Or from X Factor and stuff, do you think you've got enough practice from being on TV? Well... Interestingly, I actually studied journalism at uni. Oh. So it's almost as if I'm kind of naturally doing what I should have done after I graduated. <laughs> um, so it kind of applies. So I learned a bit about it, but I mean, getting thrown to live. And, That's you know, scary. And I'm in Antigua and there was that horrid delay that you get. Yeah. That delay. So like Holly's going, oh my gosh, so nice to see you. And then there's like <laughs> five minutes and I'm just standing there on the beach like, the wind blowing my hair and it was just uh, like oh and I didn't have a teleprompter so you know how typically you have the teleprompter you just kind of read from it I had to like memorise my whole script so that was pretty scary oh my god they're throwing you right in at the deep end they really did but no it was fun I actually really enjoyed it so who knows I could do more of that so the jungle has kind of catapulted you into everything once yeah. again. Were you kind of hesitant about saying yes to it to start with? Or did you always yeah. know this is something for me? <laughs> no, I, I was asked a few times, like a few years in a row. And I said no each time because I was just, I don't know. It didn't feel like the right time. Mm. I was just like, I was doing my music and I was quite happy doing that. And then I was recording all of last year and then it came knocking again. And I thought, do you know what? Actually, this feels right now. And I'm just so glad. Now, now looking back, I mean, it was the perfect year for me to do it. Like, what a great bunch of people. And it all just came together because the show finishes a couple of weeks and then the single favourite thing's out. So I guess it all kind of clicked for you in terms of timings as well, right? Yeah, it all just made sense because I was going to release regardless. But then when the show came up, I thought, wow, this is great. So then I recorded the video two days before I went out to Australia. I thought, let me have it ready because I could come out first. Yeah. And I want to be able to just go, okay, here's here's my new song. So I had it all in the bag, ready to go. Have you considered a B-side of the song that you sang? In the <laughs> Everyone has asked me that. <laughs> I find that so funny because literally when you're in the jungle, it is a bubble and you don't know what anyone's watching. You don't know what they're picking up on. So that song was kind of like, that was a surprise when we came out, how big that was. And people were like, is that your new single? Is that your new single? And I was like, guys, really though? Like, if I actually brought that out, would you take me seriously? Like on a serious level? And they were just like, well, no, not really. Like, you know, I had all these messages, but it's quite funny. And have you watched any of the series back at all? I've watched about four episodes back. Just about, I haven't got enough time to watch it all. But I managed to get through four over Christmas. And uh, it's really weird watching it back, like seeing all my mannerisms, like seeing how wide my mouth is when I laugh and just little things like, you know, you don't watch yourself that much. And also seeing what they didn't add into the show. Mm. Well, There's come on, so eh? much what, we spoke about. What, what did well, we miss? Actually, some of the things I'm quite grateful that we didn't <laughs> show them, to be honest. There were so many conversations, though, like we discussed so many issues, like we spoke about religion, we spoke about the government, we spoke about LGBTQ, we spoke about race, like so many things. But he didn't show. 
Are you surprised then? Because obviously some of those topics sound really interesting. You, yeah, because we got into full on debates and we spoke about it at length. So I assumed things like that would get shown. But instead we had like Anne fighting in people's faces. We had the Rice and Mean song. Um, so yeah, it was quite surprising. Do you lose any self-consciousness quite early on? Are you, yeah. are you always aware that you're being filmed? No. In the first maybe 12 hours, I was very conscious that I was on the show. Because obviously like you walk on and it's like surreal. You're on the set and you're like, oh my God, I'm on TV. So I was quite reserved for the first 12 hours. And then after that, I completely forgot. And then I was just myself. And are you all staying in touch? You know, at the end of the series, everyone says they're going to, but are you? Yeah, we talk in the WhatsApp group every day. We were joking because today was kind of like the jungle takeover of this morning. Because <laughs> yeah. we had John Barrowman presenting. I presented the Inch Lost Island segment and then Rita was on as a guest. And I bunched, bumped into John in the corridor. And we were just like, oh my God, like so nice. And then obviously Holly presented it. So it was literally like we were just taking over the waves this morning. So it was quite funny. And the great thing about the jungle is you meet people that you never thought you'd be friends with, like you and Anne. That yeah, was a lovely yeah. relationship. Oh my gosh, I love Anne. I went to see her actually in a, her local pub quiz. Oh, <laughs> like this week because I was on a radio tour and I ended up in Manchester. And I was like, "Who's in Manchester? Who's about?" And um, Sarah was working, and Malik was in Liverpool doing Hollyoaks, so they weren't around. And then Anne replied, and she was like. Well, I'm, you know, in my local pub, because I'll be at a quiz. And, you know, it's not very interesting. I'm not really selling it, am I? I was like, no, but I'm coming anyway. And I went to watch her and it was so funny. And she was on fire. And then the minute I walked in the pub, she started getting all the questions wrong. Like she felt the pressure. And then, but ultimately her team obviously won. Like, of so course you, she's You didn't win. get to play them, Fleur? No, she said it was an elite quizzing league. <laughs> so I literally, all I was allowed to do was watch. <laughs> But it was amazing. I love watching her in her element. She just like comes alive. How does she know you're not a secret elite quizzer? I mean, do you know it's what I mean? Rude. <laughs> I knew some of the. I knew some of the answers actually. Well, like two questions out of about a hundred. And you're probably up in this new CBBC show, Almost Never. Yes. What can you tell us about that? It's really exciting, actually. So, funnily enough, me and Emily Atak are both I in know. this show, but we we recorded it way before the jungle. So we happen to have the same acting agency. So we were both auditioned for this show and Emily plays the kid's mum in the show and I play myself, weirdly. So I'm basically in the diner for one episode and it's it's really funny. So it's like a comedy about these kids that are trying to make it in the industry. But the fun thing about it is that they sing and the songs that they perform in the show you can actually get after the show because they're all original. Oh, that's great. So that's really cool. Yeah, and the kids are so talented and for a lot of them it was their first ever acting job. And it was my first ever acting job, but like later in life. So I really enjoyed it. Really loved it. So would you do some, maybe some more acting in the future? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was actually a little brush with acting a few years back as well. I was asked to uh, audition for Empire, you know, the oh, TV yeah, show yeah. in America. And I was literally in the room with Lee Daniels oh. for an hour. And he was basically coaching me like through the script. And he was like, yeah, I was like, you got it. You're amazing. It's like, I want you to tape next week. And all this and literally took me into the writing room, introduced me to the entire team. He was like, this is Flora. She's amazing. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. And then Fox, the TV channel, were like, OK, we just need to see her acting visa for America. And then we get underway. And I was like, what acting visa? No. Oh. I was like, I don't have an acting visa. And they were like, well, we're not going to work with her until she has a visa. And I was like, no. no. So I was literally on the phone to Simon Cowell, like, please, Simon, do whatever you can do. Like, we were trying frantically to 
get something but then it was starting to film the week after so i missed out oh, oh no. which character were you supposed to play i was gonna play nessa okay yeah. this girl yeah who came in oh, i was gutted but then that kind of sparked the whole acting thing and that's yeah. when i got my agent and i started coaching and so yeah i'll be doing a lot more of that what's your dream role what kind of things would you like to be in i'd love to get like a superhero thing oh yeah oh my god like another Catwoman situation or like play Janet Jackson in her life story. I would like to be be that yeah, would yeah, be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to write the script, just make it yourself. Yeah, exactly. I'll just like, pitch it to them. <laughs> and obviously you came to our attention on The X Factor. Mm-hmm. Do you watch these kind of shows? Are you watching The Voice at the moment? Do you watch these kind yeah, of shows? Yeah, I always follow these shows because, I mean, X Factor I was a huge fan of, obviously, before I even auditioned. So I feel like obliged to watch it every year. I feel like I'm missing out. Like it hurt me when I was in the jungle and I didn't know who'd won or oh. what was going on. I was like, oh, I've missed out. Um, and The Voice, yeah, I've watched it since the start. I love the concept of The Voice. So yeah, I'm always, always involved, always watching. And obviously on The Voice itself, we've got Ollie there, who's a former X Factor yes. contestant. What about if, if that sort of position ever came along to be a coach or a judge, would you ever be up for doing that? Yeah, I think I'd really love doing that. I think typically I've always watched these shows and thought I'm not ready to be a judge because I don't feel like I've done enough in my career. Mm. But at the same time, I've been through that that format. So I've been through a contest and I've been grinding in the industry and I've been trying to make it. So I feel like I have a lot of advice that I can share with budding singers. So you never know. And you must watch these things in a different way to, to the way we do. You yeah. must know what's going in the, through the contestants' oh gosh, minds. Yeah. It's like sweaty palms watching it every time. Like, I get so nervous for the people and I cry when they get through and like, I get really like emotionally invested in it. Because I was really excited on uh, Saturday. We had a guy called Jimmy Belito. Mm-hmm. He got through. He tried last year. No turns. This this year, he gets some turns. He gets through. But yeah. I guess in the reality... He's, he's got a long way to go from, from your experience. Oh, it's almost like it's bittersweet when you're in these competitions because each stage you get so excited, but then, oh, back to square one again. Then you go through another round. So it's like an emotional roller coaster the whole time. And I can't help but watch it. And when I see people get through the first round, I'm like, yeah, it's great, but like keep your feet on the ground because you've got like four more rounds to get through. And you have to be ready to take risks because when you did Uptown Funk, it was such a moment, but no mm. one had heard that song really over here. So no. that was that must have been scary to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I was kind of like, they're sabotaging me right now. Yeah. I was Because <laughs> you become like this conspiracy theorist when you're in these shows as well because you just think, right, I'm going, this is my week. And when they asked me to do Uptown Funk, a song that no one had heard on a show that's been running then for like 10 plus years and everyone votes for songs they love, I was like, why are you making me do a song that no one's heard? Surely mm. this is going to backfire. But then it was the complete opposite reaction. And do you think X Factor can go another 10 years or do you think it's sort of petering off? Or? I literally say this every year, but there's nothing else like it. Yeah. There's no other show like it. So if you took it off the TV now, there would definitely be a hole. And what, what about um, TV in general, Flo? What, what other TV stuff do you like watching? So big Netflix fan mm. and I'm obsessed with Black Mirror. Yeah, did you see Vandersnatch? Yeah, did I see it? <laughs> I mean, Charlie Brooker, he's yeah. like a genius, that man. I watch every episode of the series and I'm just like, each episode could be a film. Like, they're just so epic. And then I watch Bandersnatch and 
I need to go back and watch it a few more times and choose different options. Love everything about and, it. And did you, you can obviously kill people quite, or, you know, get get you them can, killed off. Do, you, you did you enjoy characters. that? I found, I found a bit, I, I was a bit weird. reticent. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, it's a bit weird. You don't have very long to make the decisions either. That, you don't, it's like stressful. 10 seconds or something. Yeah. You're like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we should have Frosties or Sugar Pops. I don't know. <laughs> so much responsibility. But I absolutely love it. Like, that would also be a dream. Like, if I got to be in a Black Mirror episode. Oh, my God. I that think would that would be, be amazing. ultimate. Well, hopefully Charlie's listening to this and so can get, yes, Charlie, get it sorted. Hey. I, I like <laughs> the, Janet, the Janet Jackson idea. I think that's... That would be brilliant. Yeah, let's make, <laughs> let's make that happen. I'm Someone waiting. must be listening, yeah. <laughs> Janet, I'm here. And tell us about the new single. Because it must yes. have been difficult to decide what to put out first. Yeah, but then I've, I've been sitting on Favourite Thing for over a year. Wow. So the minute I recorded it, I was like, this is the next single. This is the perfect, you know, start to a new campaign. So I knew. I knew for a long time, to be fair. And I've just been trying to record and beat Favourite Thing. <laughs> and um, what happens next? Is there a second single already on the way? Because Favourite Thing's been out a little while now. And, and is there an album coming by the end of the year? Yeah, the next single's already decided. Okay. So that's basically ready to go. Exciting. Pretty much. Um, and then I just want to release more singles through this year. Get some more momentum. Give the fans what they've been waiting for for like four years. <laughs> um, and then an album and a tour is like the ultimate dream. UK tour, world tour? Well, I mean, obviously, big dream, world tour. Yeah, but start with the UK. I'll settle for the UK. No? <laughs> settle for that. <laughs> it's going to be a really exciting time for you. Fleur, thank yeah. you so much for dropping by and hanging thank out with you. Series Linked. Favourite thing is out now. Yes. It's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, James McVeigh told us we must watch Band of Brothers, and I did, it was great. This week, it's the turn of comedian and Death in Paradise star Arden O'Hanlon, a.k.a. Father Dougal, and he's here to share his box set to watch before you die. Oh, it's so hard to choose which box set to watch before you die. Uh, there are a number of options. Um, I'm really enjoying Succession at the moment. I think it's amazing. But I think if I was to pick any of the the great series from the era that we now live in, which is known as peak TV, I would have to go for Deadwood. No law at all in Deadwood. Gold you can scoop from the streams with your bare hands. People with cash on hand. Three series in total. Uh, just incredible writing. It's really all about the language. It's so baroque and so profane and foul-mouthed and um, but rich and full of imagery. Within a year, Deadwood and these hills will be annexed, and we will be restored to the bosom of the nation. And it's set in the old west. Uh, but it's more than just a Western, it's, it's, a, it's about civilization itself. I suppose a community such as this attracts a certain kind of man. Nobody's drinking, nobody's gambling, nobody's chasing tail. I have to deal with that. We see schools being built, we see newspapers being established, and, you know, we see a, a, a kind of a town emerging from an old sort of mining uh, compound, if you like. And over the series, like a town is beginning to grow, but it's still absolutely rank with corruption and graft. And it's just one of my favourite shows. Oh, that sounds atmospheric. Have you seen it, Jeffers? Um, yeah, I watched a couple of episodes over the weekend, um, basically after Ardo's recommendation. 
it's not something I would naturally be drawn to, mm. but but there's a lot of quality there. It's a HBO series, normally a good sign, and it also won eight Emmys and one Golden Globe. So it's, it's backing up what he said in terms of awards and in terms of the quality. It's basically, I think, something for anyone who's a big Western fan. It's multi-layered, um, you know, it's, it's very good, and there's lots of swearing, lots of shooting, scheming, and lots of shouting as well. It's just sort of like... Um, a full-on sort of Western experience, really. I'm surprised that Ardell, with his comedy bones, picked something that gritty, but I like it. I'm, I'm surprised too. I mean, he's basic from what he said just before he, he made his decision, it sounds like he's into those sort of big US dramas, those big HBO productions. Quite a contrast also with, with Death in Paradise, really, which is so yeah. succinct, you know, um, fairly lighthearted and, and everything sort of wrapped up in an hour. I watched sort of two episodes of this and I... My head was sort of spinning a bit. There's a there's a lot of characters other than McShane's character and there's just a lot going on. And I think you probably need to watch perhaps a good three or four over a weekend to really to get stuck into it and, and see if you're going to enjoy it. Sounds like a plan. Well, we'll be hearing from another famous face from the telly to tell us their box set to watch before you die next week. So we've got this far through an episode of Series Linked without Jeffers bamboozling me with numbers. It's time. Jeffers, what have you got for me? We're going to talk about Sex Education. This is a new Netflix comedy drama and it's launched on January the 11th. And Netflix are saying that it's on course to achieve 40 million views in the first month of release. So what did you think of it? I just don't really want to watch teenagers having sex. I I don't really get why people are so obsessed with this. I hate coming of age dramas full stop because they either show it in such sort of either you do relate to it and it's cringe and you don't want to go back there or or it's some glossy. This was kind of like like grease to me in, in how unrealistic it is the fact that you know all these all these teenagers are having sex on the on the walkway into school I was, my school wasn't like that maybe i was just too much of a geek i had work to do but if you haven't seen it at all it's um asa butterfield who's playing a guy called otis milburn he's the school kid and he has got a mother played uh, by gillian anderson who's a sex therapist so they're the sort of core of the show and what you've got is this character otis going to the school as you say which is um, it's, it's supposedly set in modern day, but there's nods to sort of um, almost like the 70s in terms of the styling and the colours and, and then also very modern stuff. And also some of it is quite American in terms of the clothing or in terms of the styling, but it's supposedly set in Britain. So I, th- I think you've got to take a bit of a leap with this one and, um, and sort of it's like no place on earth. But I felt like I did when I was watching Skins back in the day or a bit like End of the Effing World, which is also a Netflix thing. And those programs got me really excited and also took me back to when I was obviously a lot younger now, unfortunately. And so I re- really enjoyed them from that point of view. You say, I know you said that you, your school wasn't like that. I've got a friend, I won't name him now, but his mum wanted to smoke weed with uh, some of my friends. And so I was like, yeah, I can remember that. And also, so those kids, were they like kids you went to school with? Well, really? They're, they're, they're sort of, you know, they're exaggerated versions they're of They're talking real like 35 year old women, you know, and they're in, in this kind of toilet block that's got asbestos in having this fag and chatting as if they've they've been alive for 40 odd years if you want to relate to the characters you have to believe in them and i found them really two-dimensional there was cool kids at school weren't there that everyone wanted to be like in your school that that's... not like that though and him and his friends are there and they're the sort of socially awkward ones they're they're not in the cool groups they're they're sort of between groups there and they're not enjoying the party and again that was I can remember being at parties like that, not really being one of the cool kids. Or but why do you girl... want to relive that? Why do you want to watch this and go back? Well, it's just it's just fun, I guess. I just feel like um, it, it, it's 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 re- it, re- it's sort of ex- exaggerated reality, and I, I quite like that side of it. I've heard that um, a couple of the cast members saying that they'd like to do a second series. It was actually filmed in a 
this year's college in Cardiff. And I, I think they could well be back for a second series because from what I can see and read, I think it's a big hit. It's definitely a hit for Netflix. And Gillian Anderson was thrilled to do it. I interviewed her for this and she was saying, at last, a comedy. You know, everyone puts me in these really grim, serious things and I've been desperate to do a comedy for ages. So I'm sure she'd be up for it as well. Well, we're running out of time on this week's episode, but as ever, we need to scan across our EPGs and kind of hazard a guess at what we'll talk about, not just next week, but also next month and next year. Jeffers, this is where you come in. What should we be keeping an eye on next week? Well, I don't know if we're all going to be talking about this, but I think you're going to be talking about this. Tuesday night on ITV, it's Britain's Top 100 Dogs Live. Yes, that is is dream programming. This is Ben Fogel and Sarah Cox, and they are counting down the nation's favourite breeds. I think it's a, you know, they're going to have um, celebrities all pitching for their favourite breeds and perhaps talking about their own pet dogs. Lots of cute video and lots of pictures, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I think that'll do quite well. How many hours is this on for? Too, too many. I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> that sure. And OK, then. So next month? Uh, next month is Finding Neverland. And this is a big HBO documentary on Michael Jackson that is coming to Channel 4. Um, I think it's not going to be very nice uh, viewing for Jacko fans. They're going to be talking to people that were allegedly abused by Jacko himself and also looking into sort of the darker side of his life before he died, perhaps into the, the way he died, those types of things. But I think it's going to be a very interesting watch. And next year? Next year, well, they've just announced they are going to remake three episodes of Dad's Army, three lost episodes, and they're going to be on gold. And the casting is going to be... Um, Robert Bathurst from Cold Feet, Kevin McNally from Hollywood, Matthew Horn, Kevin Eldon, lots of big names. Um, and, and like I say, three episodes that most people won't ever have seen. They aired once and the episodes were lost. They're going to use the original scripts and they're going to remake them. A real, That's risky, isn't it? it? It is risky. I mean, on the one hand, Dad's Army, hugely successful, hugely popular, still still shown on TV a lot now. But the problem is with that is I guess everyone remembers the original characters. So it's whether you're going to be able to take that leap of faith and really go with the new lineup, I suppose. Because obviously there was a film with amazing actors in it and which didn't really quite work. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I've got I'm you know, I'm hopeful that this could work. Right, well that's lots for us to keep an eye on. That's all we've got time for, sadly. This has been the Series Linked Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so the next episode will be ready and waiting for you on Tuesday mornings. And be sure to rate us and leave us a nice little review too. Bye-bye. See you next week. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's Al. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.